Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 228. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much. Just hanging out, getting ready for Turkey Day. I can't believe it's uh, next week already. Dude, this fall has flown by. Like you mentioned, it's almost Thanksgiving. I was arguing is- with my wife the other day. I was like, it's not Thanksgiving next week. She's like, no, it's next week. I'm like, we got like two, three weeks. Nope. <laughs> Next nope. week. <laughs> Not so much. That time is gone. Yeah. I was just thinking today, I dropped my skis off to get them tuned and ready for the season. And I think it was two weeks ago. I did that and I haven't picked them up yet. And I'm realizing that I better do it because what if COVID just, oh. I know that it's starting to, to get hot again here, hot in terms of the number of COVID cases. I better get my goddamn skis because imagine if they just shut that place down. Oh, uh, and then they have like powder. And they have my skis. Day. Never skis. And you can't get out. Granted, I would buy new skis, like three pairs. I would oh. find a way to ski. But you know what? I don't really want to do get, that right now. Yeah, you know, that's only if you can get into the uh, into the ski shop. They might all be closed. Might all be closed. I'll order them online then. Have them express shipped. Dude, I bought a pair a couple of years ago. I bought them. It was cheaper to buy them from France, have hmm. them shipped over than it was to buy them here in the States. So Wow. That's European delivery, right? Dude, like that included the- that included delivery to the US. Damn. Yes. I'll find a way. But that Crazy. being said, I would rather just go to the shop, pick them up, and have them be ready to go. Because snow is falling, resorts are opening, ski season is underway. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, untapped at Podcast. Go to your favorite podcasting apps, rate, subscribe. There's too many to name. Just keep adding new ones to it. You know where to go. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. We have a cool shop on our website, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. You could get this dope sweatshirt. That dope t-shirt we got hats we got stickers lots of sweatshirts it's getting that hat is actually limited edition and is not on the site so i know so sorry but we do have all kinds of other cool stuff on there they've been selling pretty well holidays are coming up we may have a black friday sale i don't know guess you have to wait and see you'll have to go to skibonepodcast.com slash shop to find out if you want to help us out, we can always use a little bit of help. Donations. There's a support section on the site too. Skibumpodcast.com. We're supportable. Support. We're very supportable. We have a few people who are giving us monthly donations to PayPal. We are greatly, greatly appreciative of that. Thank you so much. Keeping the lights on. Keeping the lights on. Some things going on behind the scenes. Hopefully we won't have to beg as much, but we will see. If you want to send us an email skibumpodcast at gmail.com we'll send you at stickers hit us up let us know you want them do it through email or dm us on instagram those are the best ways thank you again so much for listening mario let's kick it off the way we always do it's time for our pray today what do you got there sir so today i have one of my beers from the beer of the month club it's funny when they can this, they actually had a note in in the package. Now <clears throat> I get a case, so there's four different beers, two from each, two from the same brewery, two, you know, but two different breweries. 
this one came and they had a note in there apologizing for the labeling, but they said due to COVID and the fact that they were just selling out of everything that they ran out of cans. So they just using COVID for every goddamn excuse right now. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of people are just fucking drinking like crazy in COVID. So Um, unfortunately that is definitely a fact. So if you look at this, like, so the name of it is Oktoberfest. It's an Oktoberfest beer from the folks at Brickway Brewing Company. And what month is it? It is. It's, it's, it's the like end a of month. November. I know. So it's, and isn't it's Oktoberfest really, in September? It's really two months overdue because it should be it. September. Um, so they were obviously clearing this out and they put it in a different can, but then they had to put a label, a paper label around the can. So if you see the can, it's like this is the green from the can, and then this is the blue from the label. But it's blue and orange. I kind of like the uh, the little color scheme. So, so they basically way. got their printer out and just bought some labels and staples, printed bust out, out. slapped it on there. We're making we're making some money. Let's bust them out. That's some that's some homebrew stuff right there. So this is. Omaha's very own Brickway Brewing Company. So this is from Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha. Okay. Omaha. Omaha. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's where I was going to have a Coors Light, but Omaha. Omaha. Boom. Uh, Oktoberfest. There's a sound of that. All right. It smells like a, smells like a, this is a Marzen style beer. So it's not a Pilsner. It's a, uh, that was a very, like, that was a, a, a ruckus. Open there. It's oh. like a lot of carbonation. Yeah. Very fresh. I think it was a very sturdy can, honestly. Um <laughs> reinforced. Yeah. Now I'm having this out of my lovely Tabasco mug. This is the mm. Bloody Mary mug of champions. <laughs> um, so nice head on it. Pretty good head, about an inch, right? Inch ahead. Usually, <laughs> usually, you know. Insert joke here, folks. <laughs> I usually give a lot more head than that. Are we really going there? <laughs> just saying. That's just the tip right there. Just the um, tip. But yeah, nice, uh, tip. <laughs> nice, clear, dark color, amber, amberish. Um, really good color. Uh, Do you want flavor? your tip in Tabasco? I mean, that's really not good for anybody. Oh, yeah, that's not good for anybody. <laughs> um, that's not good for business. The beer's pretty good. It has a little... It's sweet but bitter at the same time. Sweeter. It's sweeter. So sweeter. bubbles are going away pretty quickly. But uh, I gotta say, it's a it's a solid showing from them. Um, I, I give this, you know, a lot of the ratings I saw on Untapped were about out of five, like a three and a half or so. And I think I think I'm giving this about a three and a half. It's uh, yeah, it's all right. It's good. Not going to run out to Omaha to grab a case of this or ask somebody to send me some. But, you know, if you're in Omaha and this is what they have, Brickway's a uh, way to go. It's, if you're an uh, alcoholic, nothing better to drink. <laughs> that's right. It's on sale. So you're, on a business, you're on a business trip and you're out in Omaha, eat some steak, and I guess you probably drink some wine with it rather than this. Let's put it that way. I honestly feel like you're being generous with that 3.5. Yeah. You don't you seem know, like you're enjoying it. You see, you, I, I, I'm just looking at like, if you were being honest, like a two seven. I'm a very hard judge. Cause I either really like something or I'm like, I, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't go out of my way to buy this. But then again, Marzen style beers are not my, my thing. 
Like yeah. I, I'll be okay with Pilsners, but margins I never like too much. It's something in the style, I think. Mm. So I think it's more the style, think? not the beer, getting me. Like the maltiness, you think? Yeah, and you know what? That like I said, it's like sweet but bitter. Like all the Marzins have it. So it's the Marzin style. I'm just not right. Not a fan of. I feel but, like uh, Marzins are better with food. Like if you're having, you know, like pretzels or sausages or something, you need they they go yeah. well with food. But like on their own, they're just kind of like mm. they are what they are. This would be good with mustard, mustard, right? And pretzel and the and the the bratwurst, like exactly. I could see that maybe a little colder than I have it because then I didn't chill it that long. Uh, yeah, I could see that. But what do they make at uh, Oktoberfest? That's a is that a Marzen style? Yeah, that's the Oktoberfest style. Yeah. So so again, that's why the, the kind of food you get at Oktoberfest makes sense exactly. because it matches up with that style of beer. Well, after you fucking guzzle about three gallons of it, <laughs> you're like, you know, this 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 stuff tastes pretty good. You're like, I need like six pretzels now. Otherwise, I'm going to die. I practically had to carry Melanie like back to the hotel that night. It was it was a, a wild display. And I got to say, she held her own. She drank she drank almost three liters. I think it was about two and a half Whoa. liters. Wow. She's got to be just like, I don't know, a million pounds like lighter than me. <laughs> She's like 5'2". She weighs nothing. Hollow leg. Yeah, and I did like three and almost passed out, but that was also on like four hours of sleep. Mm. Yeah, but... I'm going to go to the archives. We have that episode of Mario and Melanie's one, was a 24-hour adventure to Oktoberfest? It was 22 hours, I think. 22 hours. I was trying to add it up. I was like, shit, weird. 22 hours. You're getting out. In and out. Damn. In and out. Nice. All right, what do you got, buddy? So I had a, a meetup with a friend of ours, friend of the podcast, our friend John, and he was kind enough on one of his most recent trips to the lovely Green Mountain state of Vermont, which he, of course, quarantined properly before going to. Nice. Little callback to our episode 227 last week with our friend Adam from Ski Vermont. He picked up some beers for me. And I am on the record talking about... Did you about quarantine those beers for 14 days? The beers have been quarantined for 14 minutes before drinking, which is okay. pretty much close enough. Were they right? early washed in a bleach high, bath? In a yes. high bleach, yeah, or yeah, hand sanitizer all over it. Sanitize. That's what enhances the flavor. There you go. I will. I've gone on record talking about my love of the Burlington Beer Company, and I have to tell you, it could be my favorite brewery. Like the fact, like their beers are just so goddamn good. Nice. This one is definitely up there as well. I think I may have gone on record in January saying Beekeeper is my favorite, is my beer of the year. And that was in yes. January. Well, and then now, you had something that was like it last week, right? Well, I had a different, I had one from Kane. Oh. Uh, so apparently honey IPAs are very hot this season. Yeah. The one from Kane was an Imperial honey IPA. This one is called Fistful of Bees. And it is a triple, a honey triple IPA. Wow. I mean, so that's the triple version of the one you had from there. I guess so. I think it's a little bit different. Huh. You know, once you get into the, the triple level of IPAs, you start it getting can't. that, you start yeah. getting that, I don't know if it's heat 
or bitterness or there's something you get when you get really like that much hops into one have, of these. Have you ever had a quad or a set or, or a, what is it? A quint? The, Bel- the Belgian ones you mean? Yeah. Have you ever had any of those? I had uh, two of them on draft draft. So they had um, a single, double, triple quad and a quint of all of them. So you could do like the whole flight of them. Well, That's I will crazy. tell you, the, <laughs> so I'm I'm probably jumping the shark to another future episode, but I have another beer from them. This is read what this is, a sextuple dry hopped triple IPA. There you go. This, this is pure madness right here. Like wow. it's just it's becoming madness. Like it's been madness for a while, but it's just it's COVID nineteen YOLO madness <laughs> at this point. Like we're just like everyone's just throwing a bunch of shit. It's like hey, two is good. How about four? You know, it's like, did you see they asked announced this week that they're having a V8 Jeep Wrangler? They're like, you know what? The thing's a brick. Okay. Let's find Next a way year. to go zero to 60 in 4.5 seconds, which yeah. used to be like Porsche 911 numbers in the 90s. Like yep. everything is becoming just madness. Next year so, it's going to have two V8s. <laughs> one in the front, one in the back. Well, just, just make it fly at that point. Just make yeah. a goddamn flying Jeep Wrangler. Why not? Right? Why not? And the year after that, the space one comes out. It's got a, there's like the wormhole wrangler. You just kind of like wormhole to wherever you want to go. And then there's the one that's like a ghost. You don't even know it's there. Did I really buy a wrangler? No, you paid for one. So I digress. They're just going. We're just we're just keep we're just pushing. So like, I brought that up because the, the comment I wanted to make on that was if you have them, they get more and more like funkier and like heavier and just boozier right like i actually That's thought one boozier. was like cheese Bingo. and alcohol like it was just kind of just the flavors change cheese because it, it was the same one that went up to like a centuple or what a quint or something like whatever that yeah. is is that the five uh quint to be five and then yeah. would hex be six hex i haven't seen a hex i think i did the actually quint. no what's the, uh, the one is one language one is another yeah, I think I'm because I'm thinking like no hexagon, pentagon, octagon, pentagram, 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 But anyway, but anyway, so this is it's starting to get to that booziness, that that taste where you're like, oh, it's getting too boozy. It yeah. it brushes up against that, but it doesn't cross over that line. It's it's getting to the point where it's getting almost too boozy, too bitter. But then you get that honey flavor that like nice. honey kind of like helps dial it back it's almost like you know like jurassic park how the amber they talk about how the amber trapped that bug and the bug had all the uh or the yeah. fly and it had all the the blood from the dinosaurs blah 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 it's almost like the booziness is going and that honey kind of like just grabs it and slows it down huh it's a I'll- really tasty beer it doesn't you're not getting like hit with this like big waft of, of painful hops it's just like a little bit of bitter, then it pulled back with the smooth honey. Did you just say waft? Waft. You yeah. said waft. I don't know how to spell it, but I said waft. That's like that's like Stewie waft. Yeah. Waft. Quip. Cool quip. In like the range of like we love the dog the the dogfish one twenty right now. Yeah. That has the sixty, the ninety, the seventy five. Well, they have the sixty, seventy five, ninety. They have an 80? They throw an some weird ones in there, too, like an 81. Yeah. And then they have the 90s, the big one, and then yep. the uh, the 120. Mm-hmm. 
So when you get up to the 120, that's almost like a triple, right? Like, it's got to be at least, yeah. It tastes like a triple or a quad or something. So mm-hmm. how does it compare to that? I haven't had one of those in a couple of years. Yeah. So I'm sure my palate has refined itself. Like but that's fine... that line of the booziness. Like that's what I remember from that. Yeah. And then keep... I blacked out mm. <laughs> every time. It's just what happens. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not quite that boozy. Again, it's, this okay. is an 11% beer. Like this is a heavy duty beer. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. But again, it's, they have a great balance to their beers. So it's got, again, the, the bitterness, the hoppiness, just getting to that line and then honey kind of pulls it back in. Nice. It's, it, and you really taste the honey in this. Like it tastes like fresh honey, like a little bit of that. It's, it's really good. And that's and it's Burlington, Brewing. Burlington Beer Company. Mad scientist geniuses. I'm sure they have the fucking COVID vaccine, like vaccine in one of their beers and don't even know it yet. That's how brilliant they are at what they're making. So if I quarantine, fly up there, go to Burlington and fly into Burlington, stay there and just get a shit ton of their beer. How much do you think I could send back? Is it legal? It's legal to set to ship it, right? I think so. Who can stop you? Nobody. Exactly. I think I could take that on the plane. Why doesn't Vermont just set up like quarantine yurts all over the place? Like just have you have like beer deliveries going to these quarantine yurts and you can just hang out there for 14 days, drink your beers and then go do your thing. So you just walk around a fucking Tesla spacesuit and then just get to your hotel room and just drink your beer. Yeah, that works. So again, oh, this is so good. I'm giving this like a four, three out of five this is nice this is solid i might even go four four you know what screw it four four we're doing four four really nice again i would uh i gotta revisit the beekeeper i think i have one more floating around because it's getting towards the end of the year and we're gonna have to make our blank of the year selections and oh you have to pick a a tasty tasty libation for that beer of the year nice we should have an award ceremony like the week before christmas in burlington in how about an Alpe de Huey in France? <laughs> Why don't we go big? How about the top of the Matterhorn? Top of the Matterhorn. We'll just what? staple a yurt to the Matterhorn and we'll have our uh, a big party up there. Yeah, I like What's I like the biggest stapler they make? No, no, fuck that. We just cut the top of that thing off, make it nice and flat, <laughs> and then plop a yurt on there. <laughs> Like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're cutting cutting the top of the Matterhorn off. What are you guys doing? None of your goddamn business. <laughs> With the cigars. None of your goddamn business. We're sphinxing the shit out of the Matterhorn. Can you imagine you, you cut the top of that little Matterhorn off? Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> You're like, you know, you ruin the freaking image that's well, you know, like an iconic. You know who's freaking out? Toblerone. But like, we right. got to change our whole goddamn chocolate mold system. Oh, that's what we got to do is we got to patent the yurt image on top of stuff so that when Toblerone tries to, tries to change and put the yurt on top, like you got to pay us every, ah, every bar. How about even better? We make our yurt the shape of the tip of the Matterhorn and no one's going to even know we're there. <laughs> no, they're like, it seems to be glowing now. Something's different. I hear music every once in a while, but <laughs> think about that but like hollow we can hollow out so instead of building up we build down we can keep going down and hollowing out the matterhorn to like all right create all so our we get some black hawks, drop us down with some tools and we just carve out out of entire stone a whole big layer like a big baller party place we do it inside the matterhorn no one's gonna know that's right 
Who's going to know? Nobody's going to know. We bring in the uh, the boring company, the drills, everything at night. Yep. We cut off the top. We cut a hole down. We start drilling. No one even knows we're there. No one. We can even drill from the bottom. That's a little harder to do. I think cutting the tip off is probably easier. Yeah, I don't want to wait for people to get to us. I just like you got to fly in or or. Well, I think they would notice when we have the chopper on top of the Matterhorn. <laughs> like, how's that chopper get up there? I think there's people living up there. They're not even going to know. We're going to be so stealth about it. That's right. We'll have an All invisible right. chopper. I probably should delete this because I don't want people knowing what we're going to be doing. That's right. Well, plexiglass chopper, just like all clear. You don't even know if we're moving around. Yolo copter. It's going to be clear. <laughs> all right. So, speaking of the holidays, we got a lot of stuff coming up, and uh, one. If of the, you're not too busy cutting off the tip of a mountain, <laughs> <laughs> I I got I wrote that down, and I want to make. I started making drawings too. So that was <laughs> sketches. We know some. We know some architects. We can make this happen. That's right. We had an architect that we know right where he lives. <laughs> uh, so. If anybody doesn't realize, which I just, you know, mentioned, I freaked out and realized that uh, uh, Thanksgiving's next week. So uh, whenever you're listening to this, this might be on your way to your Thanksgiving or after your Thanksgiving or just listening to a podcast to drown out um, friends and family (laughs) at Thanksgiving. Um, These are you might want to read this before the holiday comes. So toast the holidays with these five festive cocktails you can make at home. So if you're really bored, why not make some nice fancy cocktails and get a little bombed? Or um, also advice for this upcoming ski season. If you're going to be having to apre in your car, make right. these ahead of time, throw them in your thermos and drink them on the way back home. That's Tell the cop do. it's coffee. <laughs> Always coffee. That is not advice from us. That is not legally binding. We're morons. None of this that we say should be actually done in real life. Damn, I like the ski momo. All right. So these cocktails, they got the fireside sangria. So nice. We'll put the link on there so you can get the recipe. But this is a, it's like a winter sangria. Um, Grand Marnier. There's some weird stuff in here. There's, uh, well, red vermouth, blood or, red blood orange juice. So, Once I oh, see more than like three ingredients, my like the, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. I'm like, this is getting way too complicated. But so it's we, the holidays. If you're going to do it, the yeah. holidays is the time. Like, as we've talked about in the past, our favorite go-to winter apre drinks, Jaeger tea and Glühwein, they require yep. a few ingredients and they're worth it. Yeah. And it's almost that time to make it. It is. Just saying. Um, so yeah, fired sang- side sangria is pretty good. It's like a little warm weather sangria. Um, I like making a cocktail to start, and then I'm like, I'm not making any more. I, I spend a lot of time making the first cocktail, maybe second, and then I'm like, all right, everybody's drinking fucking beer or wine. How about that? Well, that's why you make a bucket of it. Ah, uh, that's true too. So here's another bucket. What's the recipe? We're gonna put a zero at the end of every ingredient. Just jack it up, right? Jack it up. All right. Then the next is chocolate punch. This actually looks good. It looks like they're shivering it like a martini glass with little chocolate uh, powder on top. Would you so, ever make this? No. You know what? But it's <laughs> amazing. It's it's interesting because. But I respect that somebody would. 
But the first two ingredients, cognac and ruby port. I'm like, now I'm really fucking interested. Like, that's pretty interesting. Simple syrup and heavy cream. I'm like, you have heavy cream in a in a thing. You gotta you gotta try it once. Cream de cacao. That's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, That's one of those things like you find your closet you bought like 20 years before ago. You're like, oh. Yeah, that's still there. Does it go bad? Yeah, does cream to cacao go bad? I've actually had to look. I had like when moving, of course, you're like, holy shit, this cream the mint that used like one (laughs) teaspoon for some stupid recipe way back when you were making a fancy cocktail. And you're like, you know, it's 10 years later and you're actually asking the question, is this any good still? It's like, is that one green? Yeah. it is right yeah you're like do i really want to keep this and you're like yeah if i didn't drink it in 10 years you're probably never going to drink it oh, no for sure just let it go bite the bullet get one of those mini uh airplane bottles the shooter size yeah i actually got two uh tito's airplane bottles this uh just this week uh while on a zoom call um <laughs> and i made um salt and pepper shaker out of them so look at you. I got little baby Tito's like running around. They're great. You're like goddamn Martha Stewart over here. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Watch a lot of DIY stuff. <laughs> right, or you can get a full size ha- handle of Tito's make really big salt and pepper shakers. That'd be fucking like, hey, you want some salt? Oh, like the pepper grinder. Just get a big Tito's. Like, do you want yeah. some? <laughs> Boom. All right. The next one is pastis goes pop. Um, I have no idea what this means, but. Um, I don't know what pasties is. Let's say pasties. I'm like, okay. Pasties, pasties, whatever it is. Cream um, de cassis, like, oof. Yeah, it's like a lot of stuff with the bubbly, but they layered in almost that it looks like a bomb pop or something like that, right? Yeah. It does look kind of cool. Very cool. Very fancy. Uh, hey, if you want to impress like friends and relatives, you break out one of these drinks and they're like, holy shit, you, are, you know what you're doing. <laughs> next one is probably for the day well actually so the day before thanksgiving is classically the biggest day for people to go out right so not this year not this year so if if you did get like a real hangover going on the morning of thanksgiving when you either you have to go travel to somebody's house or start cooking and hosting why not a bloody mary right so this is an aquavit Bloody Mary. Now, I've never, I don't think I've ever had Aquavit. I actually have a bottle of Aquavit upstairs. Have you drank any of it? Yes. Now, I have, now, I have mentioned it. Well, we've mentioned it on the podcast before. My father in law lives in Norway. So, Ah. no, it's like a Scandinavian thing, this Aquavit. Um, This article even talks about it. It's a grain or potato distilled aperitif often associated with Scandinavia and often flavored with caraway and or dill. Caraway and dill. So not really like it's bitter sort of like, along that realm. It's right? like ginish, I guess. Very herby. Yeah, sort of like a you took like rye bread and like dipped it in gin. <laughs> See, like- these are the liquors that I love because these are created a long time ago and they're usually very regional. Do you want me to go get it and taste it? Yeah, if you, you keep reading this article. I'll go get my Aquavit. Okay. All right. I goddamn have it. We're, we're, you get your, this you get this your, is all on the fly, baby. You get your Aquavit now. Run, Forrest. Run. All right. Brian's gonna go run and get his Aquavit. 
Aquavit. I want to I want to hear the, how this goes. So let's go through the next one is the pomegranate gimlets. Now I'm a big gimlet fan. I'm pro gimlet. I often like to make a few gin gimlets with fresh lime. You can't use that roses shit. Roses is great for the for some things, but it's it's not good for the for a gimlet. So this is a pomegranate gimlet, basically similar to a gimlet with some pomegranate juice. And of course, they had simple syrup. I don't add simple syrup. Juice is, is sweet enough for me. Make sure you garnish, put it in a nice uh, martini glass. Looks very tasty. And that, that rounds up the, uh, I think that was the fifth one. I may keep these recipes and break them out during uh, the holiday to uh, impress, wow, wow and amaze, dazzle and amaze some people. If you have any other suggestions, you can write to us, skibonpodcast.com. You can find our contact information or contact at skibonpodcast.com. To have a good uh, cocktail in your pocket is good. So it looks like Brian's back now. Just need a little cup. A cup? You can drink it from the bottle? Mr. Fancy. I couldn't find a cup cup. Oh. But I did find my shot ski. Nice. I'll just have to drink it out of this. So here we go. Just have to do it. All right. So did you open that already? Yes, it has been opened. So this is exotic aquavit made in Philadelphia. Nice. Good old Philly. Handcrafted in Philadelphia. So for those in the know, traditional style Scandinavian caraway, dill, and other spices. No traditional Nordic meal should be without a glass of aquavit. Now, can you name any traditional Nordic meals besides Swedish meatballs? Ruskafish. <laughs> Lutefisk. 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 Yeah. That's pretty much it. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know many Scandinavian restaurants. Perhaps yeah. there's a reason I think why. New York City has a few. New York City has nothing anymore. I know. They had a few. It was a lot of locks. Mazel tough, bitches. <laughs> what do you got going there? Caraway. Yeah? All caraway. All caraway. It's like liquid rye bread. Damn. Liquid rye bread. There you go. Wow. See, Ooh, it like- just, and it just heat. Like, <laughs> if you ate a piece of liquid rye bread, that was on fire. Nice. But yeah. see, I like that because it's... Uh, it's kind of, it's from a place, right? It's not just generically made. Like vodka. Yes, Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia. <laughs> but it's like Galliano, right? You ever have Galliano? Same idea, right? I think I, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's very specific. Like, you know, people like, there's not like multiple brands of Galliano. There's one. Like yeah. Aquavit, I'm, I'm sure there's, it's a similar, similar thing, but. Wow. It's like, oh my God, like so much caraway. It's amazing. All caraway. Huh? And I just found this next one, the Betrovka, which we talked about, I think it was, was it last year, the year before. Yeah. Which, uh, good old Powder Magazine, rest in peace, was talking about as the perfect ski flask beverage. How far did you get here without me? Oh, I got through the list. And then actually yeah. while we were talking, I was looking up other stuff. And I, I looked up Galliano and... I didn't realize I've heard of a Harvey Wallbanger, but a Harvey Wallbanger is vodka, Galliano, and orange juice. See, a Harvey Wallbanger is one of those drinks I've always wanted to order at a wedding. 
It's like an open bar. You're like, oh, the Harvey Wallbanger, please know, like, what is that? What? Yeah. Well, that's what? like, um, was a, a rum and the rum and coke is with the uh, Cuba Libre, right? Whoever orders and lime, right? Yeah, but whoever goes in and says, I'll have a Cuba Libre, like, they're like, what's in that? Dos Cuba Libre, por favor. Yeah. It turned into a rum and coke because bartenders are, are, some of them are not trained. So it's just like, Rum and Coke. Oh, I know what that is. Now, if it was a mixologist, they would know. They'd be like, this was handcrafted with the <laughs> rum from my anise. And <laughs> that's an inside joke. That's a, uh, what was that? A Bloody Mary tasting? That is brutally inside that joke. There's like two other people that would get that joke. Oh, my God. It Earth. was just so brutal. And frankly, neither listened to this podcast. <laughs> that's right. So we could say we want yeah but actually I've, I've turned i've gone to the dark side i've actually started embracing the um the bloody mary every once in a while i said no for me dog i can't i tried i can't i just the the tomato just no verboten just it's just not happening i can't do it well with I, mine i do the tomato juice right and then i let the ice melt in there a little bit more but i don't that, know that's even more disgusting like i just everything about the bloody mary i just find file yeah but again that's just me. And, you know, then the seizure in Canada is like, it's, it's the tomato. Like, so you why? add a little clam in there, too. Goddamn, I still think about that freaking Tahoe trip. We're drinking that Bud Light chalada. <laughs> the chalada. I, we almost vomited. Disgusting. Oh, my God, it's so disgusting. Wow. Yeah. That was like, it left a bad day. And they still sell that. I saw that out somewhere recently. Speaking of not disgusting, though, how about the Waffle House unveiling bacon-flavored beer? Uh, you know what? They're making drinking for breakfast, like, sexy again. Someone had to. And who better than Waffle House? They're, make, they're bringing sexy drinking back. <laughs> the Georgia-based Oconee Brewing Company announced this week the upcoming release of a collaboration with Waffle House, the Bacon and Kegs Red Ale. Uh, that's some yeah. oscar wildlike wordplay right there I like that man six and a half percent abv dark red in color the beer also has the unmistakable scent of bacon standing out from the typical medium hop aroma of a red ale malty sweetness on the base beer blends perfectly with the salty savory and smoky bacon extract to create a delicious and unique beer bacon and kegs pairs well with breakfast food items obviously, or can be enjoyed as a standalone, soon-to-be iconic beer. Six-packs or draft beginning Friday, December 18th. So, if you're good, Unfortunately, Yeah, I looked at this like you're, you can only get it at the brewery, and then uh, it's in Georgia, so Georgia state law prohibits them from shipping. So, you actually have to drive in and then illegally drive it out. Kind of like you're going to have to quarantine too before leaving. Worth it. Right. Worth it. Worth the it. lines have already started forming at the Oakney Brewery. <laughs> I'm sure there's one asshole in line already. Let's be honest. See, it's all have and have nots. People are like worried about shit right now. And, and other people are like, I'm just worried that I'm not going to get this beer. Same. You know what? You only get a few years on this, uh, this spinning ball here. So you might as well make the most of them. That's true. All right. All right. So that wraps up a very long, very knowledgeable. <laughs> <upright today. laughs> 
So the gondola. That would be good for Thanksgiving. That right? would be, oh, seriously. You'd be a right? champion if you bring in some freaking bacon flavored beer. People are like, yes, we got football, we got turkey, we got bacon flavored beer. What else? What else is left? Are you ready for some bacon beer? <laughs> so the gondola is closed again. Everyone is still so happy and so high from the election day victories, legalization victories that happened in five states. We got nothing, nothing for the gondola. I believe I heard a tambourine and a drum circle going on in the gondola, but yeah, I haven't opened the door. Super excited. <laughs> Contact buzz. You don't want to go in there. Let's go to Ski News. Mario, you want to kick us off here? Sure. First up, we have he came back from the dead. Lost Mount Rainier hiker starts to recover after rescue in whiteout conditions. This story so, is so, ugh, so uh, chilling. There's going to be a movie on this. It took dozens of people, searchers, park rangers, nurses. Michael Napinski was out hiking and he got lost amid freezing whiteout conditions in Mount Rainier National Park last weekend. He was brought back to life in what in the, the medical team is calling a miraculous recovery. So 45-year-old from Woodenville was on a snowy hike with his friends and separated with them. His friend planned to continue on skis while Napinski snowshoed down toward Paradise, where they expected to meet up. I guess he never turned up. He says, I'm not sure what happened. I think I fell. And he had bruises and stuff. But, well, that was the other guy, uh, his friend. So he got lost. Napinski got lost. And then when they got to Paradise at the parking lot, his friend reported missing right away. So Everybody out, went out and started searching the next day, and winter conditions still minimize the visibility. 16 degrees, they said it was down to. Oof. They said he technically died while he was in the ER, which gave them the unique opportunity to try and save his life by basically bypassing his heart and lungs, which is the most advanced form of artificial life support that they have in the world. They said the, the way this thing works is it pumps your blood outside of your body to a heart-lung machine that removes carbon dioxide and then sends it back into the body tissues. It just kind of bypasses the heart and lungs, and it just goes right through. It's pretty wild, right? He said he was dead for 45 minutes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Damn. Maybe this could be the plot for Crank 3. Oh, it could be. I'm familiar with the Crank franchise movies. But I, I just saw Crank, the first one. Crank that was enough. Crank was awesome. And I will tell you, Crank 2, equally, if not more awesome. Because it's probably the most ridiculous movie ever. And the second one, they just said, let's be more ridiculous. It worked. This could be Crank 3 right here. You think they'll ever have a Crank marathon? Just like one or two back to back? One, two punch? I kind of wish they would make it into a, like a TV show, like a Netflix show. and have like 20 uh -huh. episodes. That's what they should do. Because you know what? Statham, Would they get Jason Statham or no? Dude, you can't do without Statham. He sells it. Just saying. Dude, you know, Statham. You can hear they get it on Netflix or on Prime, and then it's going to be some actor. It's going to be like, I don't know, some idiot that you're going to be like, that. that's not Jason Statham. Then I'll say good day. Good day, sir. I say Dude, good day. The thing is, Statham can sell it. No yeah. one else could. The Statham can sell it. You sold a lot of stuff. What if you merge crank with the transporter? I mean, right? aren't now they all? 
transporting crank <laughs> hasn't he pretty much made every one of his movies a little bit transporter aren't they like all blending together like transport ish i'm transporting crank i'm cranking transportation i don't well, know why don't i add like a little megalodon into that too the meg <laughs> well that's when they earth add the uh the third element which is going to be the next series that he's going to make you know what i think you got to put all the series together i like that yeah transporter the meg crank into like this one super film he's transporting a meg on crank i don't know it's it's crazy they cranked up the meg and he's gotta transport it they cranked up the meg cranked up the meg or they or they megged up the crank they megged up the crank it's meg crank it's super crank and he's got to transport stuff god damn this guy said his kidneys weren't functioning properly bad shit man skin was burned from frostbite but he came back from the goddamn dead 45 minutes he was dead that's when he like he you sit up and while they're working on you be like nobody's killing me <laughs> motherfuckers yeah they'd it's be like, like a, it was the scariest and most excellent thing we saw it's like the goddamn undertaker from the WWE. Yeah. whatever yeah i wonder maybe he's getting maybe that's the future you can go into wwe you can kill the undertaker <laughs> and be like i've been there i'll I resurrect him later they could have a whole storyline Looks like a crazy bastard in this picture of him, too. Oh, they can call him the undead. That's a good name right He's there. The undead, yeah. The undead. When those whiteouts happen, just all bets are off. Oh, uh, it's scary. People just like they say, people have been known to walk in circles. Like you don't I remember skiing in like whiteout conditions. Remember when we were in um I think it was Switzerland that first day where you had my new goggles. Austria. Oh, Ishko. Dude. And my new goggles on day one. Andrea had to because her goggles got, she got condensation in between the two. Uh, Dude, it wasn't condensation. It was just like porn in there. And I was all, I was so like, I'm like, the, I'm like that dick guy. Like, I was just like, like, are you serious? Like, why can't you just freaking ski? Like, you're ruining my day. And you're like, here, here's your goggles. I give her my goggles and I put hers on. I'm like, holy fucking shit, I can't see anything. Yeah, she was totally right. <laughs> so then I tried skiing without the goggles, and I it was like every two feet I had to stop. Like it was so bad. You and then you were mad because you gave her your goggles. Yeah, that was mad. Oh, that's awesome. And then we're in the ski shop. And did you buy the um snow cat then? Or did you wait? No, I went to the last day to buy the snow cat. Yeah. Which <laughs> Benjamin loves playing with. I will tell you that. It's one of his mm. he always wants to play with it. I have like a regular Playmobil toy snow cat for him. He wants to play with this one because it has all the little tiny parts that he can break off. Like, look, good. This this one's made with real COVID. Yeah. It's from Ischio. Yeah, seriously. Uh, the super spreader nation. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the super spreader snow cat. No cat. <laughs> it's the super spreader. Perfect. All over, yeah. Uh goddamn just grooming the virus. <laughs> all right. So next up, ski resorts that you can rent out. Now, this year, we're all thinking distancing. These people are disgusting. I want to get away from them. How do I do this? Well, why don't you just rent out the goddamn ski resort for the day? Right? Yeah, this looks awesome. That's a good idea. Outside Magazine had a nice list of some of the resorts that actually allow this. I mean, it's usually midweek. Keep that in mind. But, you know, if you're a baller, you probably don't work during the week anyway. You know, you work maybe a Saturday, a couple hours in the morning. That's the way to do it. First up, Beaver Mountain near Logan, Utah. 
Now, Mario, you're going to like this one because you can rent it at night. Oh, so you can have private night skiing. Nice. Twelve hundred bucks a day. That's one of the more affordable mountain rental options out there. Terrain is limited with the night lighting, though. So that's something to be aware of. So if you rent it for two days in a row, can you just stay there overnight? Pretty sure you can. Because that'd be cheaper than a hotel. Yeah. Bring a few sleeping bags in. Yeah, right? Or your inflatable yurt. Oh. Next up, Platakill, New York. From Monday through Thursday, except for holidays, Platakill Mountain in Roxbury, New York, is available for private mountain rentals for up to 250 people for $4,500 for the day. This is one we talked about before. We've definitely talked about this one, too, because it's really not that far. Family-owned ski area in the Catskills has four lifts, 1,100 feet of vertical, and two mile-long beginner runs. So north-facing terrain often gets more lake effect snow than other areas in the region, averaging about 175 inches. And you can tack on some extra bucks if you want to do barbecue, lunch, lodging, equipment, all that good stuff. Nice. Anthony Lakes in Oregon. Eastern edge of Oregon. Foothills of Elkhorn Mountains is the Anthony Lakes Mountain Resort, a small ski area outside the well-named town of North Powder. You can rent it out for groups of up to 50 people on select Mondays for $6,000, granting you exclusive access for five hours to its lone chairlift, the Rock Garden Triple, and 1,100 acres. That's not bad. Elevation person. Base elevation, 7,100 feet. So they often get snow when it's raining elsewhere. And you can take your magic mushrooms while you're there. And no one's going to care. And then one of my favorites, Magic Mountain in Vermont. Damn. So they're typically open Thursday through Sunday, plus holiday weeks. And they will open Monday through Wednesday if they receive six inches or more snow, which is kind of a cool policy. So what if you have it rented and you get like a foot dumping? Do they have to open up to everybody? Hmm. Well, you still have it rented, right? That's what I want to know. That's like a really good lucky. question. They're probably like, just like, listen, buddy, take another day. You'd be like Cartman owning the mountain. But like, no, they can't come in. Yes, yeah. you can come in. No, you can't come in. <laughs> so because of that closure, they offer full mountain rental for groups and private parties on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, starting at 6,200 for the day. Nice. Yeah. It's got 1,500 feet of vertical, six lifts, and if the private parties will have access to the Black Line Tavern, which is a fantastic apres and, and food spot. So wow. I would that would be one of my things... If we get our big sponsor, I think that's one of the things we should make sure we do is rent out magic for the day. Oh, yeah. Do an event there. Yeah. Next up, Pico, the sister mountain of Killington. It can be rented for $8,000 a day on non-holiday Tuesdays and Wednesdays for up to 250 people. We know some people who have done that. Uh, our, our friends over at Till I Die and Parlor and Ski to East, they've all gone in and set up events nice. at, uh, that rent out Pico, which is pretty cool. Mm. Next, Silverton in Colorado. Mm. So you can rent out Silverton. 
and enjoy guided skiing before the ski area opens to the general public any day of the week between late November and late December or for the entire day from Monday through Wednesday when the mountain is typically closed the rest of the winter. Full mountain rental starts at $9,900 for up to 40 people. But you'll have a private guided access to Silverton's one legendary chairlift and all of its 1,819 acres of rugged terrain. And for a fee, you can add on heli drops mm. in the surrounding 22,000 acres of backcountry. Damn. That is awesome. And then last up, oh, no, there's two more. Next up, Showdown, Montana. Showdown's got three chairlifts, and it's $10,000 for up to 50 people. But that includes all-you-can-eat meals and an open bar of beer, wine, and cocktails for all your guests, plus ski and ride lessons, gear rentals, and guides. You'll even get live music from a local band after skiing at no extra charge. Holy moly. And for a fee, you can arrange for a catered dinner at a nearby restaurant, lodging for your group, and transportation to the nearby town of White Sulphur Springs for a soak. That's awesome. Pretty sweet. And then last, but absolutely not least, Eagle Point, Utah. Eagle Point Resort in the Tusher Mountains near the town of Beaver has unique high alpine terrain that tops out above 10,000. 600 feet and gets 350 inches of snow on average you can rent the whole mountain including five lifts 650 acres and two lodges for 15,000 a day tuesday through thursday for up to 200 people Damn. Um, so a lot of options no matter where you are you can find some awesome rent the mountain resorts in your area you know, a lot of people drop a lot of cash on something like a wedding or something like that. What about a big-ass party that you can invite your friends from High Flute and Ski Bums? Drop some cash on that. Like, that sounds good. Well, I think, aren't we both ordained ministers? So maybe if you want to get married on the mountain. Yeah, just let us know. we got to take married. a class. We'll do that. Hey, like six bucks? Get a get a license? Good to go. Add a friend. It depends on the state. Add a friend down here. They are just a notary, and they're allowed to marry people. I'm like, Perfect. They notarized the marriage license is really what they did. Beautiful. Did a little ceremony, a little hop over a broom, crush a glass. That was good. <laughs> Perfect. I don't know how that fits into the same ceremony, but. <laughs> can make it work. You get ski over the glass, right? That's right. It, it was fun. It was uh, quick as hell, too. <laughs> Here's Mario's right. dream job here. That's right. So next up, there is a Swiss ski school hiring a ski slope tester. Applicants of this job must love snow. So there's a Swiss ski school, uh, the Altitude Ski School in the Alpine village of Verbier in Valais Canton is seeking a skillful skier in its slopes, holding the official title of ski slope tester. It's still unclear if the chosen candidate will get paid, but who really needs to get paid, right? So Verbier is uh, between Davos and Zermatt. Shitty places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're get they're they're pretty crappy. They're run down. But there's like a cool train that runs that whole route, which is pretty neat too. Yeah. I remember looking that up. But yeah, you can apply via Altitude's website, and the lucky candidate will be announced on January fifth. Maybe this is what to do in the pandemic, right? You can be employed and ski all the time in Switzerland. 
Dude, the same article has a link to another story that had a nanny job in Aspen. So I nanny with professional ski training experience. Live in Aspen, six-figure salary to boot. Boom. How awesome would that be? It doesn't suck, right? Damn, the gig allegedly pays one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty-five thousand, and includes international travel and housing in the Colorado ski resort. Oh, that sucks. Eligible candidates must have at least five years of experience working in childcare and speak a second language, such as Italian, Spanish, or French. Hmm. They're also expected to work up to twelve hours a day, five days a week. All right, so you're you're busting your ass, but could be pretty awesome. There is a company called Aspen Nannies, a babysitting referral company in Aspen and Snowmass that builds itself as providing five-star care with other branches in Breckenridge and Steamboat. Wow. My God. God damn. God damn. God damn. I'm trying to apply for this job right now. (laughs) Nice. Make that happen. And we have one last story in here. So a bunch of resorts are starting to open up. You know, we got Killington is open. Well, after this podcast is released, Killington will be open. Catalucci in North Carolina. We've got Loveland, A Basin, Wolf Creek out in Colorado. A few others might be opening too. We know we were on the Ski Utah call a couple days ago, and they were talking about they're, they're going to have a few of the resorts opening next week. There was a cool email that came from Parlor Skis. And, you know, there's there's been talk of all the, you know, we've been talking about it all quarantine pretty much about how are things going to be when resorts start opening back up what are people going to do obviously one of the things people are going to start looking at and dipping their toes into is more backcountry skiing so parlor put out this first of a three-part series of emails called backcountry basics part one thinking about starting or doing more uphill travel start here and of course, talk about the uncertainty, what to do. Now they're based in Boston, so this is pr- primarily focused on New England backcountry, and they're considering this email series the New England Backcountry 101. And That's the first, cool. it's really cool, yeah. And you know, the big thing that they're talking about is finding out, and this will go into our main topic too, is go to your local hill. And try, make sure they have an uphill policy and try there. Like start there. Start small, start at your, your local hill and play by the rules. One cool thing too is they have some links and information. So if you're in, again, New England, in Vermont, they have the Catamount Trail Association and there are eight managed backcountry zones in Vermont, which I guess is part of the park system. And it shows... It's got maps, it's got information, precautions, and it's showing you how to get set up. And it's nice because some of these are uh, a little smaller, a little more manageable, and you don't have to go crazy buying really expensive gear or traveling far or, you know, getting over your head right away. There's also in New Hampshire, the Granite Backcountry Alliance, which has a trail system with more information. And one thing they, of course, reiterate is to stay safe, ski slow, and go with a buddy. Good information for everyone who's starting out into the world of backcountry. Because, again, a lot of people are going to get out there and a lot of people are going to do it wrong. But it can be a wonderful experience. You can have some of the greatest days. 
but again, you got to do it right. So yeah. there's great information in this email. We'll put it in the show notes. There's no link. Like most emails have that view on the web link. Yeah, I looked for it in the blog too, and I couldn't find it. So I don't seem to have that. I would think once all, maybe all three are out there, but posted on their site. That would make oh, a lot maybe. of sense. Yeah. But all this information talking about country leads us perfectly into our main topic. We have uh, a great conversation with our, our new friend, Clark Nash, who he actually reached out to us a few weeks ago. We've, we started talking with him and he's based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. He is currently a, an AVI 2 certified skier. He is trying to get himself to be uh, to guide status. So he's got a few more tests. He's got to make a sweet ski video. Yeah. And he dropped some great knowledge on us about what people need to do. I mean, it's it's no joke to get that guide level. And it's a lot of work and a lot of time. The time, the classes, the testing, the preparation. Give us some great tools, some things to think about, and a bunch of tips for getting people started if they do want to get into the backcountry this season, because this could be the year to do it. So we hope you enjoy this. Here's our interview with Clark. We have another very special guest interview this week. We have our friend Clark Nash, who is another, has an inspirational ski bum story, which we always love to hear. So Clark, welcome. And why don't you give us a, a little origin story about where you are now and how you started out and how you made this happen? Well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, longtime listener. Obviously, uh, we appreciate that show. Yeah, appreciate yeah. that a lot. Yeah, we always yeah, love hearing uh, from our fans. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good to be on. Um, so I guess a little bit about me. Um, right now, I am three quarters of the way finished with becoming a guide. So I've got to do my Area One Pro. Um, and I've got to, which I thought was pretty cool aspect of it, put together a ski video, um, so that I can get the proper uh, certifications from the uh, review committees. So do you and, have a buddy um, put that together? Like, I, I remember well, you... actually, that's why I was contacting you guys. I was hoping maybe y'all <laughs> could put something cool together for me. I don't know. We like, are there. Miller, 83. We're Let's there. <laughs> we, got our, we got our giant like video camera we're going to have on our shoulder. I got yeah, the synthesizer action. behind me. I could, I could work yeah. on the music. Play some music like apocalypse now. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, I've been, um, I, I went through all of that and uh been skiing since i was a little one um but really kind of found a joy in showing people around the mountains here in colorado um i live in fort collins and um it's a great family town i've got two children so that was a big decision for me it, it's not necessarily the closest to any kind of ski area uh, loveland's like two hours away um so we primarily recreate in the backcountry area of cameron pass um and well, you're not Supporters. from colorado originally no, 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 no. Originally, I'm from Savannah. So like that, we I, I came out here um, officially uh, several, well, now four years ago. And um, so, but I'd been coming out a whole lot my entire life. Um, my, um, I guess my childhood was mostly, my mom was, a, was, a, was an athlete. So it was mostly following her around um, and doing stuff. And then I started skiing out here. Um, 
when I was little, I just took to it. And when I got, I, I went to law school um, back in Georgia in 2012, graduated and uh, started a, a practice um, and it did well. And I got an opportunity to stop um, and, nice. and I took it. Yeah. And um, yeah, that kind of coalesced also with my mom's passing. And I, I never told, I didn't talk to you guys about that, but um, that was a big event for me and, and sort of like putting perspective into my life. She was, uh, she died in a mountain biking accident. And oh, man. yeah, so yeah, it, it was difficult. Uh, we, we, uh, we were worried about what was going to happen though, as she got older, like we were going to have to put her in a straight jacket because she couldn't go out and fucking sin. You know, like <laughs> it was, it was, she was just like that. And that's where I get a lot of it from. So, um, yeah, that was difficult and it put a lot of perspective into my life and what I wanted to raise my kids doing in the environment I wanted to put them in. Um, so the extent I could, I, I was like, all right, where, where to And Colorado obviously was the first decision looked at some towns. And like I said, Fort Collins was the best for the family and moved out here. So that's where I am now. I've been, since I've been here, I've been working and a little bit before because I, it wasn't all happening overnight, started working on getting my Airy one pro. I mean, I'm sorry, my, uh, my Abbey one course, my Abbey two course, and then the Airy one pro. Um, and that's just like a five-year process. Wow. Um, if you keep at it. Um, and I'm not a certified guide by any means, but I, you know, hopefully one day we'll become that. I'm pretty close to it. I've got to get do two more steps essentially. So, um, and then so what are the other term, two steps? Well, so the ski video, like for real, that's one. So yes. I, I like a legitimate ski video. They like, they want to know that you don't shit ski. Cause I mean, I could pass all the tests, talk all the game. They're like, dude, you don't even ski. Like what? But you really do have to get somebody else to <laughs> yeah, film you, right? You know. Cause they want to see you yeah. skiing, not just like first person right. ski footage right so is this right, like, right. like kind of like a setup like they have a family member who was like a video a videographer and they're like dude like just we'll make sure the video part is required so you can get some work <laughs> on the side to make these videos for people get right, right. For free. yeah yeah no exactly and like i don't know what they want like i would imagine they're looking a lot at are you taking crazy chances like i don't think they're looking so much at your form I think a lot of it has to do with where they're looking at the terrain selection you just made. Is there like criteria that says like, okay, you have to film this much of it. Uh, like doing like, I don't know. Like check boxes, like what's required for it. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know. Um, all, all of that, uh, per se, I, because I haven't gotten there yet. I've been focusing on like the paper side of it. Are there but, any coaches um, like you can just give them some money and they'll kind of you know guide yeah, you. yeah you mean like the the free handlers for uh, uh what is it what is it, the AAU yeah AAU um, basketball they're like they gets you right into the universities and the yeah. NBA we'll just get you in don't worry about it now, a handler yeah, it's a handler a handler now, that's what you need a handler with COVID and everyone wearing masks couldn't you pretty much just film anybody and say yeah that was me. Yeah, it's CG mass on That's definitely me, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. sir, you're six four. He's five ten. Like, sir, you <laughs> just stole Shane McConkey videos and just put it <laughs> yeah, in your reel. No, no, you see the mask? That's my mask. So that'll be that. That's the part I'm looking forward to. Um, but the other one is you take a test where it's a three day test, I believe. No, I'm, I got to look back at it, but. Damn. It's a three-day test um, or a three-part test, and one part of it you can—I I believe the written part—you you can retake um, again. But if you fail the field performance test, you will never be a guide. Wow! I think, and I don't quote me on that, but I think that's exactly 
the process with the typical guiding certification. Um, now you passed the bar, right? So you think it's going to be harder than passing the bar? Uh, I don't think it'll be as stressful. <laughs> I don't think it'll be as stressful. Yeah. Um, I saw kids throwing up and like crying Get at the tables in the bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty brutal. Um, that was, that was scary. Uh, but no, I, I don't think it'll be nearly as stressful. I think that, um, it, it, but it, I mean, I don't know, it may be if I'm in the field and I'm like, I really want to do this. This means a lot to me. Cause I mean, the, the end, the end result of what I want to do is, um, there's a there's a lot of national forest service uh, area service land area that we ski out near cameron pass and um you can access it and guide people back there but people don't ever go back there um it's kind of gnarly there's a lot of you know consequential terrain Mm. um and so i'd like to be able to get some sleds out there take people maybe one day get a cat and take people out and do a four seasons kind of like guide service we would do rafting fishing hunting and skiing. Wow. Oh, wow. So that's what I, I that's the goal. That well, Brian I, no found a company that I... you can get these treads and just slap them on your car. And it's just as good. <laughs> <laughs> right up yeah, there. The... There's this, yeah. You just have to worry about your permit from the forest service. Like they have the trails <laughs> cut right. Like 53 inches for a snowmobile. So it's you have like to smart, have like a, a whole smart car system fit, right? a cat. Oh, I don't know. Just a couple of years ago, there was that's a, a big, there's a big, uh, I feel like Polaris things. Well, oh, it was, yeah. they took the uh, the bottom of a bombardier snowcat and they put it on an old like 1987 limousine, like one <laughs> yeah, of those old Cadillac sick. limos. Dude, it was only six thousand yeah, hey. Canadian dollars. And what is that like? Canadian. What is that like? Fifteen hundred American? If that, <laughs> they pretty much give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> After COVID, they're going to be giving it away. Oh my could you god! Imagine, could you imagine guiding your clients back when you had like that, you know, and you're taking them back for some powder runs, champagne powder in the white limousine, and you've got the in the back, champagne in the limousine, oh, champagne powder outside. Like this is what Mike Tyson low angle. Like, yeah, no yelling at the, die. Yelling out the moonroof. Look at me now, mom. <laughs> Look at yeah. me now. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> <laughs> So is there anything there now in at Cameron Pass? Like, is there any sort of oh. like, infrastructure and like what? Yeah, well, so unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, we do have a ski patrol for Diamond Peaks. I don't know. Have you ever have you ever looked at Cameron Pass? I haven't until right now. I just have it up on Google Maps. Just Good. Yeah, no, I, I mapped that. I mapped that religiously. On I love Google Earth. It's ridiculous, but that's yeah. a whole another topic. I nerd out on mapping. Um, <laughs> but so Cameron Pass um, has a ski patrol in the backcountry called Diamond Peak Ski Patrol, and um, they've rescued number a number of people um, and have uncovered you know people who have been buried and died. Last year, a girl was buried on a slide that occurred on a, on a run called the Gash, um, which is it's a super fun run. It's like, if you think of a drainage with a mini half pipe coming straight down, uh, like an Alpine face, it's probably like 40 degrees, like a black run. I mean, just, it's wow. what you'd want to ski when you look at it, you know, yeah. like, you're like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and they were up at Montgomery pass, which is skiers left of that. And, uh, looked over, saw the drainage and was like, this looks amazing. And all this like early season faceted snow had already developed underneath the, uh, wind, wind loaded slabs that were there. And she got in, um, he, the first guy went down was fine and got true to fucking Bruce Trimper's statistics. She was the second person and she triggered it. That's why I always go first. Like I always <laughs> go first. <laughs> 
<laughs> probably not the best. Friends hate me for that, but like I always go first. And um, so, but she triggered it and was buried seven feet under, straight up, like standing straight up, and died. Oh you know, he, the, guy, the guy couldn't get back up to her, Jeez. and she was an Ab- She was Abby too. She, as it stands right now, she was as qualified as I am. Like I mean, wow. she's, there's no. I mean, she knew her shit. She knew not to be there and not to be doing that, and did it anyway. Which I mean, is, that's the industry, though, yeah. right? I mean, that you, I'm sure you see a lot of that people that are seasoned that know what they're doing, and and unfortunately, that's that's kind of what happens, right? Right. If you're now, so if you're looking at the gas right now on the Earth, like uh, Google Earth or Google Maps, you'll see the center cut that's in the face of that, uh, like it's called Diamond Peaks, mm-hmm. and there's like this known avalanche path, and she skied it early season. And that's oh, what wow. happened. It was really sad. Um, but no, there's there's not infrastructure up there. There's a well. I say that there's a yurt system that's pretty fucking badass. Oh, uh, you can take, yeah, you can take sleds back into this, the the forest and you sled right up to the yurts. Uh, oh, and wow. you can ski around them. Yeah, it's really fun. And that was my uh, assistant bringing me a nice fresh beer. Oh, there you go. Wow. <laughs> so now are you are you bringing people back there now as part of a business or is it more of like no. a personal just uh no no i'm not doing that now like me we're just sort of like coming from like really there's so there's four of us up there that kind of like you know we i trust my life with like there's three other so my tour group will never get bigger than four and, and that's already at that so three of these dudes um yeah they all live up there and we are, are intimately familiar with that area but um we're not certified guides and we can't like i could take someone back if you guys i would feel perfect i'd take my children to some places back there that are safe like i know the areas that are safe but again like am i am i a commercial operator at this point no no um so because you have to you incur all these national force permitting issues with liability for because if i'm taking people back there commercially and i'm getting a cut off of it and i'm using national forest land somebody gets hurt they could sue the forest service potentially Mm. oh wow yeah so Yeah, that's so where I'm having thinking. your your law degree probably comes in handy. Knowing all this stuff, right? <laughs> well, I also read it. I also read it in the National Forest Service handbook. But yes, <laughs> it might be on the test. You got to you got to know yeah. that. This right? is true. Anything is yeah. possible on that test, right? So let me ask you: Do you use like that's Google right. Earth, or do you use like any other apps? Because we talked to the people from Fat Maps. Remember, uh, remember that, that Brian? years ago? Yeah, years ago. And I know a few other apps have come out where they do like the 3D on like the phone, or you download stuff and kind of have them so you can. Well, what are you? What them. kind of mapping are you talking about? Are you talking about scouting zones, or are you saying like just for general like? Just to know where oh, it's for are. scouting zones and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't. Um, I think the the best place to start is Google Earth. That's okay. easy. Everybody needs to use it. Um, but there's not a lot of discussion about Cal Topo out there in the um, everyday you know backcountry. Cal Topo. I mean, if you take your Abbey, yeah, Cal Topo. So C A L T O P O. So if you it, if you take your Abbey one course from a reputable instruction. Uh, our instructor, they'll tell you about that. Okay. It is an open source military grade mapping service. Nice. It's amazing. Like it gives you everything you need. And, and you, like I was watching the fire activity on a 24 hour loop with Cameron Pass Fire, Cameron Peak Fire. Oh, wow. um, it, it would put it would overlay it. But the reason I talk about Caltopo is because it allows you to shade your slopes. Mm. So I know the angles of every slope out there. Oh, so and you I can, can put I, your own edit on top of their map. No, they do it for you. 
Oh, they okay. Shade, cool. they, 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 they topo your map. So they shade the topography and they tell you this is the angle of oh, your okay. slope. Nice. And I don't know how familiar you guys are with, um, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself with the discussion about the backcountry issues, but like the with with how avalanches start and all that stuff, and the and the and the trigger zones, and like the degrees that are really the fucking like, you don't want to be in them at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where this map comes in and will tell you, okay, don't go here because right. that's where that is. Or right. right, do y'all? So I guess I'll just. Um, most avalanches are going to occur between thirty and forty degrees, forty-five degrees. Like that right. 15 degree range. The, I think um, uh, University of Colorado here in Boulder found that the trigger, the the, the real bullseye is 38 degrees. Now, um, just, just for us idiots, is that temperature degrees or slope degrees? <laughs> um, no, that 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 is slope degrees. I'm sorry. Okay. No, yeah, no. Yeah. I'm just I, not me, for me, me, for the dummies listening. No, no, that's very, that's okay. So I guess I'll just start like very simple. The way you look at a a slope at a a resort. All Mm -hmm. right. So a green 20 to 25 degrees, 25 to 30 is getting into the blues, 30 to 35 is getting into blue, blue, black, 35 to 40 is getting into black and 40, 45 is getting into double blacks. Think of it like that. So the slopes that we love to fucking see on a powder day blacks. Yeah. That's in the bullseye. That's a 38 degree slope that will nine times out of 10 kill you. Like if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, or, or, you know, cause you to have the worst day of your life. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's what's good about Caltopo is that it, that will shade your slopes. So like if I go and I say, Oh, I love this zone on Google Earth. This is fucking sick. You know, like it's all good to go national national forest land we can get in on sleds. Um, let's find out if it's consequential. It looks steep, but look, you know, that's no way to go about your existence in the backcountry. Oh, it looks steep, you know? So, yeah. um, before then, before Cal Topo, you had to go back there and you had to take your, your angleometer and put it on there and, and hope that the angle you were measuring was also consistent above as well mm. and below. But now I can sit here and I can go on Cal Topo and I can look at the, at that zone that I just found on Google Earth and I can look at the exact same slopes and I can see if there's a certain shading that tells me this is in that 30 to 45 degree range and I can stay away from it. And so that means I can go into the woods on the deepest powder days, the biggest storm problems. And if I know my terrain properly, I can stay safe and I can have an amazing day, 25 degree angled you know slopes all day long overhead face shots like amazing time so it's, nice. it's actually showing live data then through cal yeah i mean those slopes don't change but like it, yeah it will like if you want if you want to overlay it with live data like fire activity wow yeah, they'll do like a 24 hour it's really cool and it's great that is super cool yeah so what you That's can do cool. that the, the the so once you've mapped that zone like all right you got the google earth component done You've mapped it. You you you've you've then checked it against Cal Topo for safety. So like that's just to give it a, a hypothetical. Let's say we're midwinter, just had a foot of snow, and you're going into the backcountry, and you see on CAIC, the which is the Colorado Avalanche Information Center, so the app that we have, those forecasters are saying that it is fucking high alert. It's five, like danger, wow. and that tells most people don't go into the backcountry, and. I've gone into the backcountry days like that because I know that where we're going 
is it, gravity will not allow that slope to slide. Like it, mm. it's science. It won't, it cannot happen. It might like crack. It might, you know, slab out a little bit, but it's not going to slide into this. I mean, it's just, it's too flat. So like a 25 or a 20 degree angle. I think Bruce Trimper said like the big, like the most, uh, he's kind of like the avalanche guru. I think university of Utah guy professor. Um, but he wrote a book that's called, uh, how to stay alive in avalanche trade, which is, I would recommend that to absolutely anybody who's interested in getting into the backcountry because it tells you more than you'll ever need to know. But yeah. in, in that book, he references like the, the, like an avalanche that occurred on the lowest angle recorded, I think was like 28, 27. And it wasn't like, it was just like, what do you call an ankle grabber? You know, it's just oh, like, slide, yeah. Yeah. And my, my Abby two instructors, like I've had days where I've gone out on in Washington where they've had two feet, just stupid maritime dumps and he's taking turns and every turn he's seeing cracks in the snow, but they're on 20 degree slopes. So yeah. it doesn't, you know, like they're good. Yeah. So it seems like it's one of those things then, you know, from 20 to 38, it's, it's almost like as you get, higher up as the degree of of steepness increases it's almost like exponentially more risky well actually that's that's funny you say that because it's actually the opposite so once you pass 45 you get into what's called the slough zones so think of uh corvus cooler all right Mm -hmm. that is a slough so that i I don't know the the rating on that i think that's a 46 47 degree i think i don't know but 45 above 45 you're getting into these slough zone areas where the gravity is too steep to hold a slab so it just constantly snow is always falling down yeah yeah right, gotcha. right. <clears throat> and there's a, like these a dudes, build up yeah like these dudes banging on huge lines and hanes and stuff though those spines are so steep you'll see the avalanches are come off the sides hmm. that's so <laughs> cool. like, i know it's insane yeah um but yeah uh it's it's actually the opposite once you get past that so you know your two choices <laughs> Are to ski an insanely Talking? steep line. Yeah. Steep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Black or white, no gray area. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, and what's crazy is most people who are Abby 2 are, um, that's like the highest probability of, I believe, um, without looking, of inc- um, instances. I think I saw people a stat about too. that. Yeah. Because you had that level of confidence where you think yeah. you know enough to, to, to go and do, go out there, but, Sometimes you're overconfident in what your knowledge is versus, you know, you think you can handle it or you know what to do. And then all of a sudden right. you're, you're kind of stuck in an ugly situation. Well, I remember, yeah, as a kid being in looking at mountains, not me kid, like 17, 18 and being like, I could, I could absolutely, let's go rip these. These look awesome. Warren Miller type, you know, and this guy would tour with, or that I knew early on, um, it was kind of like the idea was, well, it's not about whether you can see the mountain. It's whether it's going to let you Mm. like, so managing your ego is the biggest hurdle that all of us have, Mm. um, which goes back to partner selection. Well, there's also a false sense of security, right? You do it a bunch of times. You're like, well, you know, I kind of did it, you know, I, I kind of, you know, went against, advice before and and you know nothing happened so let me try it again you know yeah yeah i've certainly been there we went there jones pass last year i i said two off last year nothing big but like they went wow oh, so i mean what sort yeah. of uh 
do you know what sort of like grade they were? Oh yeah, one. They were very small, like very, very, small. very small. Yeah, like they they cracked, and I got out of it. And then my buddy went second, mm. and he dropped the curtain. Behind him. Oh, I really? went first. Yeah, wow. cracked. Yeah, it was funny. My my friend had that. He's got a picture of it. Um, and then the other one was at the other one was actually at Loveland. Uh, it was a it was a a, a run called Headwall under Chair Nine. Hmm. And it had been a rather big wind event the day before. And I didn't know it when I hit the cornice that I felt like something came off from under me, but I didn't feel it. So I wrote it out. I didn't feel anything at all. And I looked back and my friend was yelling at me and, and, and like there was this little crown kind of thing. Oh, wow. So, mm. But nothing bad. Nothing yeah. bad. Yeah. So now, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you too is because, you know, you have this experience and a lot of folks this year with obviously COVID and all the new restrictions, we're starting to hear, you know, a lot of these ski shops online, local shops, they're starting to sell out of, you know, um, Jesus, I'm, I'm forgetting the word, alter, backcountry. backcountry kind of touring setups. Yeah. So a lot of people are going to probably either with minimal experience or no experience going to start to head out to the backcountry this year. What's some advice? What are some tips? What is the information that, you know, we're looking at November 19th today. Some places are opening tomorrow. There's, there's snow starting to fall all over the place. What's some, what's some sage advice you can give these people who want to get out there and who you want to keep alive? Yeah. How can they start? What should they do? How can they get ready to do this correctly? Well, um, First of all, as a former lawyer, the disclaimer, please do not take my yeah. advice. <laughs> the man not, as, as, the Bible, as the Bible, as the disclaimer, <laughs> you. you heard it here. Um, and we also support not. that disclaimer. Yeah, we don't know, yeah. We don't know anything here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the Swiss rule. You're, you're on your own. That's right. Um, so I. Caveat uh, tour. Is there like a Latin word for skiing? Like, <laughs> I don't know. There's skier be beware, anyways. right? Yeah, that'd be a great ski line. I'm actually. ready to make that shirt up. That'd be a great yeah, right? one. I like Skiviat that. Tour, right? Yeah. Skiviat. There you go. <laughs> you guys are, you guys are like a, just a treasure trove of, of great ideas. We're just like um, an idea farm. Pretty I much. Know. We're like snow guns with ideas. That's right. Yeah. So I would, um, uh, my biggest thing that I, that I would suggest first is finding out what, um, what kind of, uh, skiing you want to do. Um, do you really want to earn turns? Do you want to do that? Do you want to go? Um, let me tell my computer about the restart. Sorry. Um, do you really want to cut off the lift and start walking five miles for one run or two miles for two runs? Um, are you able to do that? Are you in shape to do that? I mean, I know it's a great idea, but are you in shape to do that? That's one because you don't want to get out there and not be in shape. You just even talking about that. We talked to a gentleman this past summer who's a physical therapist and he was talking about, he knows a lot of people that they say they're going to ski their legs into shape in during ski season. So they don't do anything all summer. (laughs) That's what I asked him. I'm like, is this actually possible? He's like, you know, people who are probably getting a little bit older, getting a little heavier. Maybe they were athletes back in Uh, high school. They're like, yeah, I'm just going to ski myself into shape. No, I mean, so that kind of person whole... is not the person to go and like, I'm going to go out and go five well, miles. No. 
And right up, it's not to right say, up day it's one. Not to say they're not, <laughs> it's not to say they're not capable. It's that's not to say that. Um, there's nothing super uh, hero oriented about touring in the backcountry, um, but it does have its requirements, and one of them is to be in you know decent shape because um, you're going to be. I don't care how good a shape you are, you're going to be fucking tired when you get up to the top of your first run. You're the first time you go and tour. You're going to be tired because you're going to you're not going to know how to skin effectively. You're not going to know how to take your proper man, uh, proper route. It, it just it happens to everybody. So. That's one. Uh, two, uh, I would also say, like, what is your schedule like? Are you a weekend warrior? If you're a weekend warrior, like most people are, then yeah, okay, backcountry is going to be where you're probably going to be thinking because this year it's going to be a shit show. Yeah. Um, and so if that's the case, then I would suggest the $700 to $1,000 you're spending on your Icon, Epic, whatever pass it is, Mountain Collective, um, I would suggest diverting those funds towards first avalanche education at a reputable instruction, you know, at a instructor. So like Colorado mountain college, I mean, school, Colorado mountain school, CMS and Estes park, um, Crested view, the Irwin, Irwin guys over there are amazing. Um, San Juan, uh, I, I believe Silverton avalanche uh, instruction, I forget what they're called, but they're in Silverton. There's a number of places that are just known as the go-tos. Um, it's a whole discussion for a whole another day, I guess. But like the way they instruct, you will you will leave kind of worried, like oh fuck, I'm just I want to go back to the resort. This is a yeah. too much. <laughs> well, also, I mean, we've talked about and in the that's past, where I. Like... Oh, sorry, Dad. No, no go. Uh, we've talked about it in the past, like people go on a, on a trip and they go where they're not familiar to somewhere else. And they think, Oh, I'm going to be fine. Even if you're well, you know, even if you, you know, your stuff, you're either going to have to take a lot of precaution, but you don't know the area as good as somebody in the area. I mean, that, that's where you that want a guy a, that knows that area. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. That's like, you know, step seven, know your, know your fucking zone. Like yeah. you learn that. And then Learn how to map your like. I'll get into that in a second. But so yeah, once you once you once you go to your Abbey One course, that's going to be like six hundred dollars. It's a three day course. I mean, it's expensive. Mm. All right. So I'm trying to justify this. You got four hundred left over for your thousand dollar epic uh, pass. Yeah. If if you really are trying to stretch dollars, go to a secondhand store. Um, we have one in Fort Collins called Garage. Free plug for them, even though they charge way too much. But they have great skis in there from last year, the year before. The people are changing out, like in skins and everything. Um, Facebook Marketplace, whatever you can do to get, um, you know, do your research on what you need to find that fits you as a skier. I mean, the like Blister Gear Review, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody who wants to ride 50-50, like maybe I want to ride a couple of days in the resort because this is my first year in the backcountry, but I want to split it up they've got a whole section on 50, 50 skis and hands down. I would totally recommend mounting any of those skis. If you're going to be touring and riding any days in the, at the resort, mounting those on shifts, hundred percent. Those are like, ama- they're, they're game changing findings for sure, but they're great for both uh, venues. Um, once you get your AT gear, um, go to your resort or go to a resort and skin go to do their uphill do that several times <laughs> watch out for the cats <laughs> be not be nice to the groomers 
you know, know where you are and yeah. stay and like know your up track and where you're going. Go early. Go, go, you know, for instance, let's just say you're here in Colorado. Go to Loveland. Go walk up at seven o'clock in the morning, get to the top of that continental divide, you know, and realize what you've just done. <laughs> and you've done it in a safe, controlled environment, but your body's allowed you to do it. And now you can start thinking about doing that in the wild, you know, because mm -hmm. it's kind of like that's like the safe area. But yeah. once once you once got water you, around, good about you got that. something that might find you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're good. You're in a resort. <laughs> like you'll be good. Yeah. But well, that's actually a great yeah. tip because you know, again, I, and I guess one thing to check out too is uphill travel. Uh, but I guess if you're going mm -hmm. early enough, it's it's probably not a problem. But I know some resorts restrict uphill travel, especially on the East Coast. But that's something to to make sure you check before you do this. But that's an absolute awesome tip. Just try it in like a kind of a place with, with a net mm -hmm. in, you know, to use the metaphor, you know, Pass we're out. Gonna, somebody's going to find you. Yeah. Or if you're like, you get halfway up, you're like, this sucks. I'm just going back down to the, uh, right. car. You're at the resort. Yeah. yeah. You're, at the resort. yeah. Like, you're there. It's all good. I mean, yeah. there's places, not everybody, not everybody around has hidden Valley. Like we do here at Rocky mountain national park. There was a former ski resort that you can go to and skin. And it's like, it still has the tree cut lines and everything. Oh, cool. So you go to your resort, go to your local resort, do the uphill, uh, get used to that. Once you get used to that, I don't know, let's say again, this hypothetical individual lives in, um, uh, in, in Colorado sees the front range corridor, wherever you may live, uh, find your nearest backcountry zone or wherever you're, you know, wherever you're thinking about going. Now I'm not telling you to, I would not tell the person to go there then, but just to Yeah, freeze. Uh oh, you freeze. froze up a bit. I don't hear anything. Uh oh, yeah. we got freezing action. Yes. But the most important oh, thing hang is. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> All right. The first version of you froze. Am I here? You're yeah. here and you're back. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Um, yeah, I wouldn't tell the person right now to go back and go ski in the backcountry area that they just selected as their, their convenient area to mm -hmm. learn. What I would do is go to that trailhead and I would go find the crunchiest fucking oldest, burliest person you can find there and tell them you don't know shit about this area, but you, you're willing to learn and be humble. Yeah. And you'll be amazed at how many people take that humility and say, I'll, I'll show you. You know, I'll show you around or I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where to go to cut your teeth. You've found out where to go, but you don't want to tour by yourself. You want to get on, like, there's a, there's some Facebook pages here. I don't do social media, but my friends are there on, um, um, the Boulder backcountry page and you can find people here. And then maybe in your local area, let's say it's fucking, I don't know, Tahoe or whatever. You can find people that will ski tour or who want to ski tour. Um, and maybe you meet some people at the resort. I don't know. It's hard. Finding a group is hard. That's, that's the hardest part, which is, it's, it's the most important part. Mm. You can't go out there by yourself. Like you don't, like you said, you've not, got to trust them, right? That's a, that's a tough yes. thing, you know? And it's almost invariably required that you find people more experienced than you. It's well, difficult. Yeah. Well, trust is big too. And then a lot of people, you know, they, they're annoyed and concerned about more people going into the backcountry. It's almost like this is our area. This is our secret. Like, and that's wrong. People want to come in. I fucking hate it's people who think super that. wrong. It's because yeah. there is so much terrain, you know, like it's, it, you're it's, not, it's gonna, bullshit. 
And you're not getting 50% of skiers and boarders that are going to go out there. Like, even if there is a big increase in people going to the backcountry, how many more people can that possibly be? A few hundred? Yeah, and you know how vast the backcountry is, for instance, in Colorado? It's exactly, uh, (laughs) it's endless. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that finding a group, working on finding a group. Now, there will be some places that you can. I wouldn't suggest it, but there are places where you can ski tour that by yourself, maybe that are okay. But I, I mean, when I say by yourself, I mean, there are other people skiing it there at that time mm. and they're around <laughs> like, you know, and, 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 and again, that'll allow you to meet people at the trailhead parking lot. You gotta be willing to meet people, talk to them and, and tell them that you want to learn or just seek out information that way, because people are more than willing to give it. Um, and the worst that could happen is they say, you know, fuck off and whatever. That's like really rare. Um, You're better off without that group then too. Yeah. Right. But that'll, that'll happen over time. Hell that could happen overnight. I don't know. Like, but just, you know, just go out there put yourself around the people um, and, and learn the, the information. The next thing that I would do after you've got all of your information, all your equipment, uh, you've taken your class, you've maybe gone up into one of the little safe areas where there was other people and you've toured around, you've skied it, you've done your uphill at the resort, all that stuff. You've gotten, you know, beacon shovel pro, all that. That goes without saying. Um, that's when I would start getting into understanding route finding um and maybe getting like at that point maybe you've gotten some friends and you can go and do some tours together in safe areas but again cal topo is great for this Mm. you know and you do tours with them and then you just kind of take it from there i it's kind of an organic process at that point and do you keep a log of the places that you go or your favorite places Do you keep What's like that? a log or of your favorite? Yeah, places? I do. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I do. I do. I, um, I keep a log book. So I've got a bunch of little composition notebooks that I keep of all my, all my logs. So one of the intricacies that, um, if you're doing a like consequential terrain is you want to kind of have like a, a, a plan before mm-hmm. that everybody's following. And then when you come back, kind of like a debriefing and, uh, more than anything, it allows me to go back and understand the snowpack stability, things of that nature. But I mean, I keep going back to it. Technology is allowing us now to really kind of segregate ourselves from any of those consequential areas if we want. I mean, it's just that you know so much more about where you're going before you even step foot out of the car, you know? Yeah. So you mentioned Beacon Shovel Probe. Is there any other technology? I mean, you mentioned... I'm sure you have your phone with you for the camera, uh, Cal Topo. You probably have that on your phone. Is there any other technology yeah. or, or uh, snorkel you have with you? Snorkel for deep days only. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. I'm joking. That, you mean the Avalon? <laughs> yeah, the Avalon. Yeah, the Avalon I'm not a big fan of. Um, I mean, it's good. They're good to have, but like, it's just, if you're in that situation, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, Anyway, uh, airbags, I don't really suggest. I used to have one and I realized I was doing, a, I, I, I didn't have that kind of like cutoff, you know, like, oh, I can just pull the ripcord. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be good. Yeah, don't worry about it. I'll get it. So that's, no, that's, that, that's, that's no, that's no way to approach it. I, I feel. Um, you feel like, is that also like, you know, like you mentioned before, like almost like a false sense of security? Yeah, that's that? exactly what it is. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Um, but, the mapping with a have you heard of a Vinza maps? 
Avenza? Avenza? No. Okay. So you could, there, it's like one of these like offline mapping things. So you download the, the Cal Topo map that you made the night before of the zone that you like, and you can download it as a PDF onto Avenza. And Avenza will allow you to track yourself real time with no service in the backcountry on that map only. Oh, right. Nice. So once you've gotten into your zones, you'll be on a dot and it's like, okay, my skis are pointed towards the start zone of this avalanche path. Maybe we like, we want to be over here because these are where, these are where the lines that we drew last night were. So let's get our dot over here. Mm. Now you're on your, your dots on the lines where it's safe. And that's really cool. big. Interesting. Yeah, that's on your phone. That is pretty yeah. cool. Could you yeah. ever kind of take in that same question and <laughs> making you look into the future? I remember like Oakley had like a, like a heads up display in their goggles a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how, how would you like something like that? It's this funny you say that. Kind of brought into your goggles as like a heads up. Yeah, no, that's crazy you say reality. that. Yeah, I when I was at my uh, my last uh, instruction course, I um, we were walking, we were like doing a a search or whatever, and um, no, no, we were touring back into this. Um, it was like Dragon's Tail Cooler or something, something fun. It, it was, but it was consequential. So we we're talking about the terrain and everything, and they were testing us and whatnot. And, uh, and we got, we sort of like, after we finished skiing, he was like, you know, one day they're going to have, I, he's like, this guy's like super smart. He was, I think they're going to have where you have in your goggles, like avalanche detection. <laughs> like you yeah, look yeah. at it and it's like, <laughs> knows this, where you this. are, looks at stuff, right? Yeah, it's like Terminator like, vision. Yeah. That would be insane. Skiminator. I mean, I mean, putting Cal Topo in your goggles would be cool, but you already have it on a Venza, you know, on your, on your phone. So, but really seeing like in your goggles as you're going, Oh, this slope here is 30, 38 degrees. It recently had wind loading from the Northwest in 12 inches of new snow under faceted crystals. Like if it's that, <laughs> like, wow. that like, for shades pretty sweet. Yeah. For shades yeah. areas red and green and yellow, right? Like right. Yeah, that would be crazy. But yeah, he said he was like hey, that totally in the future, you know, like kind of uh, angle and slope recognition. You're gonna be like telling your kids, like back in my day, I used to research this stuff and know how to do it without those fancy goggles. Yeah, well, back back in the, the, the old timers days from us, like they used to just stick their finger in the wind. Yeah, seriously, right? Yeah, and some of us are still alive to tell the tale. Hey, with I all know, the technology right? we have, we can't get past a uh, a virus. So I I can believe anything. <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually awesome advice for getting people started, and especially the information. Um, oh, thanks. But getting of getting the, the certification, or at least looking into it. Are there any like kind of like almost like a prerequisite like something they could just read online before diving into a course like before, if you don't want to spend yeah. 600 bucks right away do you have any uh like websites yeah. or yeah yeah uh bruce trimper uh that that name is a is a a must a must know name for any backcountry enthusiast um he is he's he's, he's the wizard you know he knows it all so he, he essentially is um it's probably the, the, the preeminent authority on snow safety, uh, wow. in my opinion, in terms of the, what we see here in our continental snowpack. So, um, Bruce Trimper's book, how to stay alive uh, in avalanche terrain is the book that I would recommend reading. It will allow you to go from knowing nothing and being scared of the backcountry to 
seeing that it's it's you can you you can work your way into it and, and seeing seeing that maybe you could one day be riding back there you know and and you can i mean that the, the goal is that you that people will be you know if, if they so if they're so inclined but you'll be that's extra scared <laughs> i see that's the thing like so that's another discussion that i didn't i didn't want to take your guys time too much but like that's that's a whole other discussion with the way they teach these courses is they're proud about that and i don't like that i don't like that yeah. i mean because i come to your course because i want to ride safely and confidently in the backcountry. i don't want you to impress me with how much fucking knowledge you have that i'm confused and scared mm. oh yeah because i mean it's not about you it's almost like like an old school military pro, you know, yeah. process yeah which and is really like, beneficial <laughs> it's not it's not and i think with what you know about slope angles um, the, what the information that you're given from CAIC, which is another resource I would sort of like, maybe if you're trying to get into, uh, before you take these courses, download the CAIC app. Oh, uh, well, if you're in Colorado, but wherever you are, there's a avalanche information center. Um, not in Florida, Mario. No, I don't think so. Not, yeah, not until you guys get the, uh, the, uh, the snow magic, uh, dumpster resort going. Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I want to come fucking ride that. Have a dumpster. So, no, we're gonna have that. We're gonna go coast to coast. The on landfill. That thing. The landfill. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine a landfill that went from C to C. Be great. Start in Cali. Is American is American pie. That's right. Or go from the north to south. Go from like starting uh, Canada and just Let's come go right along down. the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Right. It's already there. Yeah. yeah. Add That's some good. garbage, fill it in where we need, you know. It's a little spicy, you know. Here <laughs> <in there. laughs> nice. But yeah, that's the other thing is uh the um yeah, Bruce Trimper and then um really just whatever state you're in, if you are in out out here and there is an avalanche information center, uh then they most likely will have an app. Download that app. So like on my phone, if I'm looking at it right now, I see um i can go directly to caic and this is tonight so um if you see here all all zones in colorado are green we've had no recent snow we've had no new wind loading events everything is pretty good right now um and so this is let me see if i can get this right this is my zone here um the front range and so i'll go and I'll tap these details here. And they this is all good. Green's good. Doesn't mean like go send everything you see, but green green's generally like not don't need to be like too super worried. Um, and they'll have a forecast and a discussion, problems. They'll have like right here, it'll tell you. That's the aspect where the problems are right now on north and northeast facing slopes. And you know, and that that's in relation to the sun. So it's not in, in relation to like, so it's like the way it's facing, right? Is it facing north, northeast, hmm. um, meaning it's hidden from the sun. Obviously, that's where most ski resorts find their slopes. Uh, so that tells you everything like you need to know about the zone you're in. That's another thing that I would follow uh, just so that you can not only understand how the lingo is, but it, and it matches up with what you're reading with Tremper. But it's also going to get you really familiar with the the, the, the reoccurring problems in your zone mm. because there's always patterns because it's a snowpack of a specific area that carries specific issues and characteristics. And the front range is the most fickle in the world, I think, um, okay. which is good because our game travels. Like if we go to fucking Washington, 
Sierra cement that stuff you know consolidates in like a day we're good to ski um but here it's it's, it's dangerous they should uh, have one yes, of those sir. in the northeast tell you where it's iciest what do you think yeah right yeah, yeah right. this is this is hard yeah, ice like this everywhere. is soft ice <laughs> granular ice right? <laughs> all right so you've given us a ton of information yeah. uh do you have a dream spot that you haven't skied yet that you want to Ooh, tour into? Oh, yeah. uh, well, uh, ski touring. Um, I think it'd be really cool to ski tour in Japan. Um, nice. some you Japan. went big on that answer. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like going to a place where like, you're the only person that speaks English, you know? Um, and it's just a, a small little village and just tons of mountains and a shit ton of snow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think that would be fun. Set up a yurt and uh, just run out of there. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's the goal of the guide op is to eventually have uh, yurts that, that are pretty high, high class, you know, like, nice. you know, we're thinking, we're thinking like La Quinta. Yeah. In a year at the top of a mountain. That's perfect. We, yeah. we actually, uh, we did a podcast. It had to be, was it 2017 or maybe 2016 mm-hmm. where a friend of ours, he went with a group to Japan and oh, yeah. we had him just kind of talk about his Steve, experience. Right? Kevin. Oh, Kevin. That's right. Our buddy Kevin. Yeah, oh, he was wow. In the ski club of ours. And it's funny, like we're asking him cause you know, you, you really have to plan ahead when you're doing that, like for your, your taxis, your restaurants, everything, really? because like you mentioned, you know, it's not like going to Canada where like, you know, everyone speaks English or even Europe where people, yeah. most people, there's enough people speaking English that you can get by those places up in Japan. Like, you're lucky if you find someone who speaks English. Well, he said, too, there's a cultural difference too, right? Like you don't even know the, the customs and the culture, you know? He said what he did was for the mm-hmm. most part, he watched like Anthony Bourdain when he went out there and kind of followed and like did whatever he did, which is like, you know, that's pretty <laughs> that's sad advice. Hilarious. <laughs> that's good. That's that hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a cool place. I've never, uh, I've never been to Asia, so I would like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. What about y'all? After saying that, I mean, I'm kind of on board for that too. We'll have to yeah. do, uh, have to do a little more. Uh, get your hands on the bucket list. Um, yeah, yeah, he was trying to get us to go on that trip too. Pretty, pretty. Uh, he's pretty, pretty good at trying to get us on that, and I just couldn't, couldn't swing it. It was a long time off and a lot of money. I was like, I don't have either of those right now. But, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, that's a that is a big. That's a big one. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll perhaps, do at least a 10 day. You know? Perhaps we can get some sponsors that can help set that up. There we, we go. go. For sure. Got, I don't think that's a problem. We just got to ask. We got yeah. three of us here. We'll need one yeah. more for a group and then we'll be good yeah. to go. Yeah. We'll we have to have a Sherpa too, right? How about Bruce Tremper? He'll be our fourth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's not doing anything. What there you go. about that? There you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we need a ski Sherpa? Should we, we get TGR or Warren Miller to, to film this as well? No, I don't think. Yeah, they, they can't really handle Japan. I don't know if they know that. Yeah, How about a chopper? Deep for them. Can we get a chopper yeah. sponsor? Does just fly us in wherever we want? Well, perhaps yeah. that uh, private jet company that was it? Uh, that had wheels the, up. Uh, no, it was. Um, we talked about it last week. They, they have Embraer. They have the private jet Embraer. and the deal. That's right. Oh, Perhaps fuck. they can sponsor us and they can have some sort yes. of fancy Porsche that can drive us around. We might have to go to the Catalina wine mixer and figure out how to get a chopper. <laughs> good, damn good to go. All right. Awesome. So, 
So Clark, I looked up. Hold on a sec. Before you we, before we cut this, I did look up in Latin, skier beware, and I got Cava Natari. Cava Natari. I, I like, like it. I like maybe, it. Maybe we'll have to go that. It's probably totally incorrect, but we'll what go about, with that for now. What about like a Nordic translation? Because you can have like an Uller thing and like. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe just look in every language and see what the coolest, the coolest looking phrase is. All right. I, that, yeah, we're going to have to do some research on that. So this is what we do. We just fire the idea snow gun out there and brilliance. I like it. I like comes it. Out. Yeah. That's the way to do it. All right, Clark. Well, that was a ton of information. Thank you so much. I think oh, a lot of pleasure. folks are can at least kind of, if they do want to dip their toe in, there's a lot of different steps they can they can well there's almost levels to this you know like with anything like you can dip your toe in buy a book you can go get the app get a little familiar and then start building off of this but yeah the the most important thing if somebody's going with a guide it's good to get some of this information and just know it you know going i mean the more knowledge blind yeah that's that's the moral of the story i mean the more knowledge in a group the better right i mean yeah yeah i mean and i and i didn't mention this but almost equally beneficial is going to your zones in the summer and fall Mm. seeing what it looks like learning the contour of the mountains you're seeing it's important yeah and Mm. always go first yeah, always go first. Always if go first. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Shove your buddy out of the way. Go first. <laughs> oh, wow. That looks great. I'm gone. <laughs> My life is far more valuable than yours. <laughs> uh, All right. Awesome. Well, Clark, thank you so much. Is there any uh, anywhere we can send people if they any more information from you? Or are you keeping things private? Or do you have... I don't... Yeah, no. So not yet. I hope to one day have that information once I get uh, commercially certified, you know. But that's... um, I'm not there yet. What a fan page or anything like that? Uh, no, I don't have anything like that. I don't do social media, guys. I'm just out here God shredding. You. You know? That's and yeah. that's how it should be. Yeah. We're doing the opposite. We're busy doing all this crap, and we're not skiing. Well, I'm here to help. So you let me know what I can do on awesome. the, on the uh, real world side. Well, we really do appreciate that. Yeah, again, if you do uh, get any certification or anything you want to promote, we'll be yeah. happy to have you back on. Absolutely, man. I look forward to it, Brian. Mario, it's right. great to talk with you guys. Awesome. You as well, Thanks, Clark. Clark. Thanks so much all for right. your time. Thanks. Yeah. Take right. care. Are you too. Thanks. We really hope you enjoyed that. If you want more information or links to the stuff we were talking about on this interview, check us out. Skibumpodcast.com. Under the ropes. Mario, kick us off. All right. First up, we have Canadian officials are doing everything they can to urge motorists not to let moose lick their cars. Now, what they say here is rolled salt is kind of like crack to a moose. So I guess they love like. What is you know, in that road salt there? Crack? A crack? It's like crack sense. cocaine. So I guess apparently they're, they're saying it sounds really silly. They actually have signs up do not let moose lick your car. Those are instructions, like just to try to try to do that. But they're saying it, it kind of messes up the moose because if they have salt on a regular basis it kind of messes up their well-balanced moose diet you know the normal diet um and they're saying it's kind of like crack to a moose um where they uh can lick salt off the tamarack but they learn it's just as delicious and probably more concentrated if it comes from somebody's uh car body panels so i guess you know naturally they try to get salt uh as a treat and as as something to keep them going you know they they need salt i guess for um you know just to be healthy but they're saying they realize they're very smart and they realize like you just look it off the car it's like easier that way 
So they say tourists are compounding the problem by traveling through the area specifically to give the Rocky Mountain car wash a shot. Uh, people are so, just dicks. They are dicks. This is just how we just are fucking everything up. So they're saying a moose looking around for is social media goal. So they've taken Canadian officials have taken measures to keep moose away from cars and keep people away from moose. They're saying starting in 2020, motorists are no longer allowed to leave their car if they encounter wildlife at all in Jasper National Park. Um, and those who feed, enter, or disturb wildlife risk receiving a $25,000 uh, citation, uh, which is about 20000 U.S. I think it's like $1,000, isn't it? Yeah. No, they're saying 20000 U.S. What the hell? Yeah. What the hell did Trump do to the goddamn dollar? Well, it's, it's, it's only thirty percent. Yeah, it's, that should be more than that. What a goddamn Trudeau do that magical Canadian loony? <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're saying people should try to scare the moose off by honking their horn, uh, but never attempt to push it away. Who the fuck is going to get out and, and be like, "Yeah, come on, moose, I'm going to push you away"? Is? That's right. I, I can see, I can see my cousin Vinny getting out with his fucking cavariches and want to want to fight with the moose. Taking a crowbar, tie yeah. iron with him. Yeah, Come you fucking moose. And then a moose just gouging the shit out of him. Yeah. It's like being like, I'm going to use my Prius to push this tractor trailer into a ditch. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with that, friend. That moose is like, I'm letting you just sit in that car, just shut up, and let me lick this. So, does America have this problem, or is just the magical Canadian super salt they have over there? You know. I don't, it depends where you go too. Like if they use salt or not, right? Some places don't use salt. They use sand or something. Yeah. They just do sand and like, you have to have snow tires. So yeah. I guess it depends. I guess they put salt down and, and I was like, good. Got our salt, man. Licking car. <laughs> Licking cars. Yeah. But it's funny. They got like signs on the road. Like do not let them lit your car. Like what the hell? All right. Well, the comment on this, the top rated article uh comments article says oh dear this is sodium funny but that twenty thousand dollar fine would make me salty i mean <laughs> that's just zinger after zinger there oh and that person really thought about that but like they just come so easily they really did <laughs> god damn it so watch out you canadians don't be uh letting the moose lick your car yeah all right last but not least Costco, they are now offering private jet membership, mm. which is phenomenal. They are it's about like a four pack of jets, or I you just buy a jet, yeah, it just comes it's just right in the aisle next to one. You got to buy like four, they give you the little card to take up, ring that up, you put around the back, you get your jets pretty much, yeah, yeah. So we get the uh, gift cards, same thing. <laughs> Yeah. So $17,500, you get a one-year membership with Wheels Up, which is a charter jet company. And they tout that their service as being as easy as ride-sharing. So here's what you get for $17,500. In addition to the one-year membership, you get a $3,500 Costco shop card and $4,000 in-flight credits. The package also includes a one-year membership to Inspirato, which offers luxury vacation rentals. Damn. So Wheels Up has more than 300 planes in its fleet, 
and 1,250 more with partner companies. So there's access to an aircraft pretty much year-round. So I like how they say you also get with it the $3,500 Costco shop card and $4,000 in flight credits. So what is a normal... Like, what is a normal subscription to Wheels Up then? I don't know. Because so that kind of makes sense. There's the luxury rentals. Then they got other swag, whatever. For one. So does that mean you can use it all year? Like any time? Every day. <laughs> as much as you <laughs> want. Every day, right? Yeah. If you have off of work, yeah, I want to go somewhere else. I got to see how this works. What are the limitations? I want to see the fine print. There's got to be some fine print. I don't see any goddamn fine print in this article. <laughs> I'm going to Costco. I'm logging in. I'm buying some shit. Their website is, of course, talking about you know how clean everything is and blah, blah, blah. I just want to know, what is the cost of this? Membership on travel? Or Here we go. Membership? Membership options. All right, so there's a one-time initiation fee of $3,000. And you have dues of twenty four ninety five starting at year two. Would you find this on their website if you go to the membership options and then membership comparison on Costco? I uh, know wheelsup.com. Ah, wheels up. Now I want to buy that shit in Costco. But now, if it's a core membership, because there's different kinds of memberships, and like this article doesn't even link to Costco's website. With that article is like TMZ, it's trash. Yeah, it's of course it's got no it's muff cabbage. Super muff cabbage. Let's see. I'm trying to understand this. So it's funny, like Melanie and I are watching billions, we're catching up on that. And they have the scene where like, you know, he says goodbye to his wife and his wife, oh yeah, we, we should go together. Says, no, I got some stuff to do, you do your own thing. And they get into the his and hers. Uh, jets, little P5s waiting for them. I'm like, damn, that's the way to go. That's the way to do it, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to fly up. I'll be back later for dinner. Yeah, you definitely can't get the Connect membership. You got to get the core membership. 17.5 one-time initiation fee. 8,500 in dues. And then you can actually get a guaranteed Wheels Up King Air 350i. I mean, I don't know how else one could travel Besides the 350i. So wait, you get the King Air once I, in a while. That's so a big one. Right? I don't understand how this works. So you get this service. Do you get anything with this? Or is this just the ability to <laughs> so go? poor. I can't even understand the fucking website. <laughs> so poor and stupid. Please help me. This is made for rich people. Like get the codes for them. They're like, oh yes, I know exactly how this works. I want to fly private. <laughs> God damn it. I hate being poor. God damn it. Help me. Uh, yeah. Connect membership. It's as available as available, but but is that as available? Like anytime you want to go. That's what I'm saying. Like, do you still like say tomorrow? I'm going to go to Telluride. Like every do, goddamn day. Am I, have I already paid for it? Or do you got to pay like an extra 15,000 to fly like the cost of the flight? You must, right? There's no way anything's really included for that cheap. So price. the core membership, it says 300 days of King Air 350i guaranteed for core membership and 330 days of King Air guaranteed for business membership. So you're guaranteed of getting a plane every day. But you can't actually fly every day. 
Well, maybe you can. Everybody's remote. Like, where are you today? I paid for this goddamn membership. I'm going to use it every goddamn day as an experiment. What'd you do over the weekend? I just fucking flew around. I don't know. I don't know where I was going. I just had to use my membership. It's going to waste. But then, again, you you, you have the membership, but then you have to right, pay for the flight wherever you're going. I would think. Oh, is that what it is? I think this is all just... I, I don't know. It's, so that's just the membership. Goddamn, that Citation X is like the size of a Suburban. <laughs> it's a small goddamn car. Dude, I took a hopper from Tampa to West Palm Beach, and oh, it was... God. It was a Cessna. I mean, it was fucking mm-hmm. tiny and it was great weather. So I was like, yeah, this is fine. And you feel like you're floating around and stuff like that. But literally they walk up to everybody before the flight. They're like, uh, can you tell me how much you weigh? And like, it's funny. I was like looking at people and like the women are like, what do you mean how much I weigh? It's like, no, I need to know how much you weigh. They took everybody's stuff. They weighed it. And they're like, they had to balance it in the plane. So it's just, it's funny. It's like old style of flying. It's like, we got to balance everybody in the plane. Like fat people, we got to have two fat people. You can't go with just one. We need like two really fat people. If you're going on, you got to sit next to each other in the middle of the plane. Dude, I'm looking at this, uh, this King Air 350 they're talking about. Dude, yeah. they're showing golf clubs behind the engine. Like there's a flap behind the engine for storage. <laughs> like they're using every square inch to store stuff dude that's exactly what i flew oh, i had no goddamn god i i had no um baggage but it was like that that's exactly what i flew in it was like southern air or something like that and we flew into like the airport that trump flies into at uh palm beach huge right right, right next to it you fly up and like the terminals right there you walk off the plane you walk past like some baller ass fucking private jets and boom you're in this little terminal they're like so this is a terminal that operates for people not in a big hustle and bustle terminal. It was like I showed up like five five minutes before the flight. They're like, how much do you weigh? I'm like, 185, 180, whatever. And then they start asking everybody, like, okay, let's get on. And everybody gets on. And as you're walking out, they're like telling you what seat you're sitting in. They're like, okay, your seat assignment is number five, number six. There's 12 seats. Balance things out. The guy's doing like math. <laughs> yeah. He's like calculating up. All right. We'll put this person there, that person there. Yeah, but I want to sit next to him. No, no, you can't. Nope. That, that's work. not going to happen. He's yeah. not fit into the algorithm. Unless he's losing 10 pounds, he's not sitting next to you, honey. <laughs> so crazy. Citation XL. The Citation X. I Citation mean, X looks like the uh, Mac Daddy right there. You know, it's got to be the worst thing ever. Imagine you were rich. And you were able to fly private everywhere. And then all of a sudden you lost your fortune. Like shit's Creekish. Yeah. Ever fly private again. Like, I feel like it would almost be better to not have ever flown private and to have to go back to like dealing with the Cretans. Because I always have this tremendous fear of having to go back to the way I used to do things, you know, because as you get older, you get kind of used to certain things. Yeah. Can't like, go back. Man. Like imagine like, like, you know, when you have to like share a hotel with your friends like a bunch of people. Yeah. There's like five people in a room. Or yeah, it's ski just, houses, like share houses. Yeah. After a while, you're like, I'm tired of fucking sharing share house rooms with people. Like, I'm a fucking grown up. Yeah. At some point, you're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm too old. Yeah, exactly. Get too old for the shit. I feel like what this is. 
and you're flying private, you're doing your thing, and all of a sudden you got to go in that goddamn TSA filth checkpoint and a bunch of fucking cattle just prodding you to the goddamn get on a get on the bus. Get on the Airbus and fucking fatso just, next to you is taking their shoes off and you smell their stinky. Taking a goddamn shit in the seat next to you. <laughs> Who knows what they're doing? Rolls of fat pouring over that little divider onto you. Uh-huh. Like, disgusting. And he's like, oh, sorry. I'm like, sorry is not going to help you lose 200 pounds right now to sit in your seat. And move my flap back onto my, into my seat. <laughs> Pardon me, is my flap on you? I'll uh, just take that away. Yeah. Thank you very much. Just disgusting. <laughs> I was having a conversation with it, but if you want to take it away, go right ahead. It was keeping me warm on this cold flight. Oh, mm. God damn. Give him a blanket. Oh, it's, a, it's a fat blanket. It's Napkin. a flat blanket. God <laughs> 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 damn it, gross. God damn it. It's a fat, flat Did blanket. you ever watch F is for Family? No. It's like the Bill Burr like a uh, com- like cartoon on Netflix. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god, the one the one guy is like just so fat and he lost all this weight and his like skin just like friggin' hangs over it. He's yeah, like that's the worst part. He's like, I named my leftover skin flap Stanley. Jeez. <laughs> oh, like falls out of his pants and stuff. It's like uh, so gross. God damn. But funny. That's bad. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up the old podcast for the week. <sighs> Thanks again to Clark for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, untap at Podcast. Go to your favorite podcasting app, rate, subscribe. Really appreciate it. Buy some stuff, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay polluting. See ya.